Continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 116, The Courage to Deliver Transformation with Beata Shillette. Have you ever realized that in order to grow, you need to step out into the unknown and do things you've never done before? Beata Shillette says that those times in your life and your career are necessary for growth and transformation, and that there are ways to navigate through them as a leader and as a human. She joined me at the Edges of Lean to talk about the courage to deliver transformation. Beata Shillette, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you so much for having me, Bella. I was looking forward to talking to you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, We're going to talk about something that I think is going to be of great interest to the people who listen to this podcast, which is about uh, difficult conversations, which come up a lot in the work that we do. And I'd love for you to start by just introducing yourself and tell us about yourself and a bit about your career. Yes, of course. So my name is Beata Shillette. I'm known as the Growth Architect. And I work with visionaries and thought leaders and help them literally architect growth. And that means that we help them grow their authority, scale their impact by providing the strategies and the systems and the processes that are required to get there. And I'm originally from Germany and I live here now in Los Angeles. And I my career you know, spans a pretty broad spectrum from starting out as a photographer, having been a photo editor at Elle magazine, immigrating to the United States, being a artist representative, a photography artist representative, then running a production company, having over 10 years, all the stuff that you hear about that happens to other people that all happened to me, the decade of bad luck. Eventually, I ended up $135,000 in debt as a single mom, broke, immigrant here in Los Angeles, And then I cracked the code, built my business, a stock photography syndication that I then was able to sell for millions of dollars to Bill Gates and had a good size exit. So that's that's it in a nutshell. Well, that well, that's quite a story. That is a very, (laughs) very that's a very interesting story. So, Beata, um, what you're doing now, um, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do now, um, who it is that you are, are working with, and the kinds of problems that uh, people are asking to help you um, help them address? Yeah. So when I look at architecting growth, let's just take a look. What what does that mean? What What is entailed? So I look at your professional career, be that as an employee or be that, be that as a business owner, is really a transformational journey. And you you go from, you know, your first your first job to the last job when you then decide to retire or be done with the the day-to-day stuff. And within that there are a lot of markers along the way. And when you look at this as a transformational journey, it becomes very clear that in order from get from getting from one point to the next point there has to be a transformation. I mean, you are you don't wake up one day and then become that. So you have to design what that looks like and who that person is that has that that next level job or that is that business owner and then become that. And then you realize you have another goal and then you have to realize what that person looks like and then you become that. And so that journey keeps going on forever and ever and ever. And people always think that you come to a point where at one point it's done. You're never done, Bella. 
as you as you very well know in your work. I mean, it is a continuous improvement improvement process. And so I come in at a particular uh, at, at some of these markers. So I come in for business owners specifically at three intersections. The first intersection is they have an idea and they need to turn the talent into a business. And they go, well, let's say I've been in corporate and this is the time I really need to take this idea. I want to be a consultant. What do I do? They come to me. I help them through a program that I do develop the business model. We do this in 12 weeks. Then people come to me when they've been in business, but their differentiation factor is not clear. They sound like everybody else. They may say words like, I'm a business consultant. You know, we are growth architects. We're not business consultants. We are in the business consulting world, but we are architecting growth. So you need a specific, unique differentiation factor. So I help them with designing their signature growth system. Then there's the third part. So they know what the business is. They now have the differentiation factor. They know all the different offers and how they stand apart from the competition. And now they go, now we need to really scale this business to the next level. Then we come in and we help them figure out what their optimal alignment growth plan is. How do we get from, let's say, 500,000 to a million or from a million to 5 million? And we help them really to map out these stages of growth going further. So that's on the on the side of the of the business. Then what typically happens, and you and I spoke about this in the green room, is that the person who is running the show needs self-improvement or leadership training or leadership development or a different kind of skill set. So then we also look in into this and say, what are the things that leaders need to have to become that person that can lead that department, that can lead the people? What do we need to help them with? What do they need support with so that they can fill the gaps between who they are now, who they choose to be in the most magical and wonderful and supportive way possible? So it sounds to me, Beata, when when you're talking about the first type of work that you're doing, which are the, these three transition points, when you start, you're you're dealing with a founder, right? You know, somebody, and you're saying somebody who has an idea. Um, maybe they've been in in corporate before, or maybe they've they're a, a, a serial business entrepreneur, but they have an idea and they want to turn that idea into a business. But then, as and so that's sort of working with an individual. But then, as you are working with people at the subsequent stages, that's going to be working with a larger group of people, right? So it might be um, the leader of the organization, but it's also going to have to be um, the leadership team as well. Is that right? So you'd be so kind of going yes. from the working with the individual to working with with the leadership team. What yes. what do you see as being different with between working with individuals and working with the team? So the there has to be a point where in our transformation as a leader on be that you know in our career or as a business owner where we recognize that we are not the be all do all know all where that's so hard that is so hard and uh, that yeah because we think that we got to this point because of who we are but we forget that we are at this point because we need to lead and you cannot lead from behind. So you have to lead from the front 
And what that means is that there comes a point in anybody's, you know, journey to to a successful career is where you have to learn that you just you now take your knowledge in guiding people that are better at more narrowly defined subject matter than you are to lead in these particular departments. So I may have gotten to the position that I'm in because I know how to, I understand sales, I understand marketing, I understand um, how departments work together, I understand handoffs. But there comes a point now where somebody sees potential in me and says, I need you now to lead 10, 20, 50, 100 people that have this goal to achieve that. Now you no longer can do all the work. Now you have to transform that knowledge that you have into the guiding light to then just know enough about sales so you can guide the salespeople, just know enough about marketing so you can have people that are better at marketing and guide them toward the goal. And that is a really a big shift in your in 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 your thought process in the spiritual loss of success. We talk about this from the perspective of in order to achieve something of a higher nature, you have to let go of something of a lower nature. Mm. You cannot have the Toyota parked in your parking spot, like the dingy 1980 Toyota that's basically holding together by a pack of super glue. If that car is parked in the spot in front of the building, there is no room for another car. So you want a better car, a better vehicle to drive. There comes a point where you have to let that go. So, and between the letting go and the new typically is a gap because somebody's going to come, you know, pick up the car or you have to sell the car and then you have to find the new car. So there's a transition period. And when you get yourself very clear on that, that there, the gap is expected and that that's part of this transformation on how you get to that next level because you have to let that go to get that. It's just like you have to let the bad boyfriend or partner go to be on the lookout for the good one, for the one you actually want to be with, the one that treats you well. And if you want to learn a different language, you make the decision and then you have to, you know, you have to do the work. So you and always... You yeah, you have to stop speaking the old language or at least not speak it so much. So you have lots of time to practice the new language. And I think that's a what a great metaphor that is, right? Because because all of the things, I think what you're saying is all of the things that got you to where you were to that point of, of the next, of the transition, many of those things you you will have to stop doing. You got you're going and that leaves a gap. And gaps are scary, Beata. They're very Terrified. Oh, people are terrified of it, Bella. And they're terrified of it because they think if the gap is exposed, they are exposed. That somebody's going to go and says, oh, Bella doesn't know that. Should she have been the director of the division if she doesn't know that? But Bella got to be the director of the division because somebody had the confidence that Bella can figure it out. Because if Bella would know it all, Bella already would be the director, but she just was elected to be the director. That means that Bella now, instead of going, oh my gosh, I'm imposter syndrome, someone's going to find out about me. 
that Bella is going to go, isn't that great? I know I can do this. I have full faith and trust in me. Others do too. Piece of cake. I can do this. And I got a great team to lead that will help me to get there. But it's also that recognition that there is there are things to learn. And they may not be the the very detailed things about how a particular function works, um, but they're, they're going to be different things from the kind of knowledge that, that brought the person to that point. Uh, and so... Um, does that mean then that that it is we're talking about these transitions? It's that openness to continuous learning that is required. That you have to you have to. And you said it. You said it already. You cannot imagine you that you've already that you've arrived. You never actually arrive. You know, I think that's that's really the big key takeaway of this this piece here that we've talking that we've talked about. If it would be preposterous, literally, to say that I've have it all figured out because business and economies are fluctuating, fluctuate, fluctuating, and things are going up and down, and things are changing. Market conditions change, customer demand changes, products change. I mean, how many how many phones can you buy? And then once you have that phone, do you really need? You know, when, when do you need another phone? So, and what does this new phone need to have? Why would I buy that? What does it do to me that gives me more than the other phone? So you have to be prepared to look at this as literally a journey, a continuous journey. And they always say, you know, the journey is the reward, which you apparently don't know until you're on your deathbed. And then you look back and you said, now I get it. It was never about the destination, it was the journey that was the big deal. But the journey is the big deal. So I think a lot of people, Bella, and in I, I continue to learn this in my life, is that we think that if we only were here, that something then would happen that make us feel better or different. But what makes us better or feel different is our confidence that we are on the right path. And that we have trust that what is rightfully ours is ours. And that we understand that the past is already done. There's nothing we can do about it. Mm. The future hasn't happened yet. We're literally only living in this present moment. So if you're always living in the future, you can never enjoy where you are at today. So, so if we would tell your audience right now, just pause here for one second, right? Just pause for one second. Take a breath. Where are we? We're listening to a conversation about stopping, chasing, getting somewhere and being present and recognize that we have a right to be here. We have a right to be in this moment. We have a right to be aspiring what we want to. And we're manifesting as we speak what we want to achieve, but we have faith that it's going to happen. And it still, it's, it still makes it possible to be in the now. So, so help me understand that. So, so the, we know that we want to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever our reasons are for want for wanting to do that, we, we, we want to go somewhere, but we're not going to get there. I think what you're saying by striving and, and scrabbling and not, not being, right here right now 
because the future doesn't exist we can we can create the future but the future doesn't exist that the only thing we have is right now so when you're working then Beata, with people who have been i would imagine many of your clients highly ambitious people highly successful people good in school um you know cruise through some of their their um, their early career uh, jobs um how do they react when you say to them, be here, be now? Is that a surprise to people? Are they ready for it? Well, you make a good point. The delivery is is obviously important. So the work that I do, you know, as you probably have noticed by now, I work with a lot of intuition. And but I'm a business strategist, which in itself seems to be a paradox because isn't the strategy different than working on intuition? But it allows me to, to connect with the highest version of what you are capable of doing. And when I talk to my clients, the first thing that we need to do is we need to get clear about what the potential is for them that they see what the potential is that I perceive because I'm tuning into, into what they're saying. And it's, you know, that's just my job. I mean, that's what I do. That's why I'm the growth architect is because I can connect with that desire and then I can articulate it to them. And then they, and then it's up to them to says, to say, yes, that works. Or, Oh my God, I can't believe you articulated that. I didn't even know how to get it out of my head. Or they say, um, well, you know, I would like to adjust it a little bit. Let's go this other direction. So in the way you have to talk to your clients, you always have to outline first, and this is on whether you're leading a team or whatever it is that you're doing, you have to make sure that the overall picture is clearly identified so people know what they're going toward. Because there has to be a ruling idea. There has to be a guiding principle, or Simon Sinek calls it the why. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. don't have that, if you don't strive toward that thing, then people are aimless and they're like, I don't need, I don't know what I need to do. But if I have that clearly defined and say, where do I want to go? Then I can go back to that and say, well, as a growth architect, one of our big visions, our why is to help give people shortcuts so they can make their impact. So I can say in every decision that I make, is this helping or hurting me helping others to make their impact? Because that's how I measure my impact, how mm -hmm. much I help other people make their impact. Now my decision-making is much easier because I don't get sidetracked in other things because I can focus entirely on, does this help or hurt my main decision? So that takes slowing down, thinking about it. Um, Always. It, more, yeah. more is never the answer. More is never the answer. Focus and leaning into the decision. So, so I want you to think about it this way. You make a decision, not a wish. You make a decision. You say, I will be, I am a leader. I am a director. I'm a CEO. I'm a president, I'm a CFO, I'm a CMO, whatever that might be. You make that decision. 
it's not a wish. It's not like it would be really nice if I get the promotion. It's like, I am that person. You look at what this person does, thinks, and how this person acts, and you become that person. That's on you. That's the skills you need to learn. That's the communication skills you need to brush up on. That's the action you need to take. That's how you need to show up. And you have to have absolute trust and faith that this is yours to have. Because if you doubt, then you have what we call a double binding message and there's friction. So you say, well, it would be really nice to be a director, but everybody in my company is a jerk and I'll never get that promotion. That's a double binding message. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, yeah, all no, you do nothing's is- going to happen. And then you're going to treat people like jerks and then they're not going to want to promote you. No, and you have that mistrust and you say, all right, I, I wonder how that performance review is going this time. He or she did it again, you know. So you have to get that clear in your head. That has to be your expectation without a doubt. And the clearer you are on that, the more, the more aligned you are. Now, sometimes it takes longer because it's not at yours. And then you do take the actions, but in, you know, you know, and I talk a lot about these energetic principles because the, the the more I work with with people and the more I do what I do, the more I believe that success is a lot of times really driven by what we internally expect and what we allow ourselves to receive. And then people, you know, chase, chase, chase. Of course, you can be very successful by working hard and jeopardizing your family and you know, being grumpy and miserable and burnout, getting heart attacks. Yes, you can be successful in business like that. But that's you're not, not successful the, in life if you do that. But you're not. Thank you, Bella. Exactly. Yeah. And then at what price? If your heart is dead, you are dead. Yeah, true. That's true. So could, I would just like to return to that, that, that question then. So as you are working with, with people, um, and they, are, you're helping them towards clarifying that decision. Is that right? So, um, and I and I think that's that's really yes. um, fantastic because you know somebody might say, well, I want to have, um, you know, I I want to have the job that play that pays, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, so what I want is five hundred thousand dollars a year. But what you're saying is the well, why? You need to you need to know the why. You know what. What's, what's that for? What are you going to do with the $500,000? What are you going to do? Yeah. So so it's not that I don't think you should not set the goal and say, I, I'm 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 worthy, you know, a half a million dollars or half a million euros or whatever your currency mm-hmm. is. But what I'm saying is that when you go in, it has to be clear. You say, I value my leadership skills of, of helping a company to achieve a whatever at, at a... a hundred to a 250 million increase, you know, I value my contribution at $500,000. And the reason I think that I'm worth it is because of the value I bring. And then this money is, you know, I'm going to take my wife or my, my partner, my husband and my kids or my family on a beautiful vacation. And I am allowing myself you know, because the $500,000 typically is a lifestyle number. Yeah. So that's a number where I say, well, what does this $500,000 mean for you? 
It means financial security. It means putting enough money away so you can eventually retire or do something different. It means affording private schools for your for your uh, for your um, for your for your kids. So it means all kinds of different things, and you want to get clear on what that number stands for, because once you know what this number stands for, then your visualization of achieving that has a beneficial aspect to it. It's not just about money. I have found in my life, and I don't know about you, Bella, but I have found in my life that people that are only about money tend to not be as happy as people that are having purpose. I totally agree with that. Yes. Purpose makes all the difference. And for some people, it's it's finding the purpose is is quite a bit of work, right? That's it's not something that is readily apparent to them. Or it may, you know, it may have been that that it was something was apparent to them earlier in their life. But you know, as you said, life changes, there's fluctuations, what they learn change changes and who they interact with changes, and they may find that their original purpose may be the same or it may need to be adapted to where they're going next yeah and it's and and admittedly that is not easy to say what am you know people say like who am i is the first part of your life and the second part of your life is you you go why am i here and that is that's a that's a that's a journey in itself is to to first figure out who you are and then say okay and and now what now that i know who i am what does this even mean what's my contribution is there a contribution and I will say that very rarely purpose is I'm just here to take, 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 take. I mean, that's generally not purpose driven mm-hmm. to say, I, I I want this because I deserve this. Generally, purpose driven is is an impact. You're here for a reason. I mean, just the chances that you made it into this world, that 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 that, that, that sperm, you know, made it. That is such a miracle in itself that we better be all grateful that we that we even got to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. One of the things that, that we wanted to talk about today was the concept of, of of difficult conversations. And I'm thinking about the uh the person who may be listening to this podcast today who's thinking about or has already thought about, hey, I want to leave my job. Um, I'm going to become a, a consultant. It, I, I, you know, I want to uh, take on being an entrepreneur. And I'm going to uh, start working outside my organization with, with other people, or maybe someone who's still working inside an organization. And the time is going to come where, um, as, as you were saying in, in talking to your clients, you need to have a conversation with somebody that you're that you initially feel afraid to have that you don't want you don't want to say it you don't want to point something out you don't you know that clarity needs to happen but you don't know how to get there and um what are your thoughts on that how how do people move into owning their ability to have those kind of conversations the the framing is everything you always want to get clear on how do you want to frame something. So I, I'm going to give you an example that literally just happened this morning. So my husband 
is I was part of a group and in this particular group, somebody said, um, I want some honest feedback of how I show up. Now that is a landmine of a question mm. because if you give honest feedback and you say, you're not stepping up into your power, you look, come across as weak, you are, um, you, you know, you come across as insecure, which may be all the things that you want to say if you were really honest, but you can't because you know that that would be, specifically if it's a team thing, that would be absolutely disastrous. So the frame that I gave my husband is I said, you want to think about what that question is really about and where, where, what's the backstory of this? So the backstory is that they participated in this group to achieve a transformation. So now they knew going into this that they were one person, there was an event, you know, that that took place, and they're leaving. And so what they're really asking is, did I complete my transformation? Like, you know, are you seeing how much I've changed in this? That could be one of the questions that they're asking. The other question is a fearful question that they might not formulate that way. And the fearful question is, I hope I'm not going to be perceived the way I feel about myself, which is mm. probably the real the real question here. So how you get around this difficult conversation is to find a frame. The frame is, the scenario is, we all got into this program because we knew we wanted the outcome that the promise that the, the event promised to be a leader. Now, you only go into a program like this if you already know you have issues with your leadership stuff. I mean, that's a given. What Nobody signs up for a leadership program unless they want to be a better leader. So that means that they know that there's a gap somewhere. So now, what is the gap? That's really the question that needs to be answered. What is the gap that you perceive that is between you going in and you going out. And is it not true that you expect that gap to be exposed as you go into this leadership training? That you say, now I know where my gap is, or at the very least I've identified who I want to be. So is my question, so number one the question is, you have to set the stage for this and say, let me make sure I understand. We all got into this leadership program because we all knew that we were lacking something. There's a gap between who we are today and how we perceived as leaders and who we want to be and how we want to be perceived. Do we agree on that? Yes, we do. So in you asking this question, tell me honestly how I'm being perceived. Are you asking this question because you want to know how we perceived you when you went in? Or are you asking us because you hope or wish that the perception will eliminate your need to actually do the work filling the gap? Because mm. that's the real question here. And is it is it true that I expect that there is a gap? So is then your question how we as a group can help you to change the perception you have of yourself as a leader and maybe others have of 
you as a leader, which we don't know because we only know you in the group. So you need to go outside and ask people how they perceive you. And then we can help you to fill the gap. That's the real conversation. So the framing of these difficult conversations is a lot of these questions are, it's not the real question. The real question is hidden in there somewhere. I believe, and this is my intuition, that somebody who is saying that is terrified that in that whatever one week that they went into this program, that they come out of it and other people don't visibly see that there was change because that's the fear of this person. So if I assume that I need to ask my questions around that to get clear on what the underlying emotion is for that person so I can address that. Now I can answer the question, how do you want, you know, how am I being, you know, what do you think of me? How do I show up? Into really saying, which of these pieces are you talking about? Are you wanting feedback on how your transformation journey is going? You filling the gap? Do you want information on how you showed up when you walked in? Or are you wanting us to help you to get to that end result? And are you clear what that end result is? Three completely different questions. So what I hear you saying, and 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 let me know if if I'm getting this right, is is when somebody is asking that type of question, if you assume that the question on the surface is the true question, that's probably not true. That there's some there's likely something underneath because the person is worried, they're afraid, they have another motive that we don't know what it is right now. Um, and so those kind of gentle, kind, appreciative inquiry type of questions will help you discover what it is that they're really asking for. Is that exactly? Yes. And in leadership, that's how you really lead people to help them get to to help them get to the real thing. Which takes time. Right. It's and and I think that's something that is, um, you know, isn't that just the American, you know, sort of northern European way that 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 somebody comes to the leader and that I have a question and we want a fast answer. Right. Done. Right. But and what you're saying is uh, it's going to take a little bit more time. We need to we need to delve into understanding what the the question really is and for a consultant that's that's exactly the same thing that's that's part of the art of consulting right the problem that's presented is almost never what the real never, question is. never because that's their that's their understanding of the problem at this point and their understanding of the problem might not be the real problem actually it's never really the real problem because if they knew what the real problem was they would they already have gone out and fixed it yes <laughs> no need for you. Right? No yeah. need for us. So so if you think about this from a leadership perspective, then when people ask you these difficult questions or these tricky questions, what they're really looking for, and this is the reframe in your head, is for help to figure out what the actual question is that they're struggling with because they cannot solve the question the way they ask it. And that is, Beata, that is such a lean, continuous improvement way of thinking because we know that when we have a problem, if it's, you know, it's a process problem or a system problem or or, or or a people problem, that most of the time the initial statement is not the correct, I mean, it's not the, the correct problem. And you can't solve a problem until you, until you know what the real problem is. You can, you, you will only, you know, you know, come up with solutions that make more problems. 
when you do that. And what you're talking about is, I think, is applying that same type of thinking that we might bring to an engineering problem or a, a problem in a in a factory um, to working with people and really taking that step back, and making sure you truly understand. Um, and then I would say, I would say, in you know, in the the lean approach, we would also say, don't necessarily don't hand the person the answer either, because they're going to benefit from finding it out themselves and practicing that what is, it takes to solve the problem. Yes, Bella, I think that's the that's the most important key in everything. And and when was the last time somebody told you something and you went like, oh, okay, it is a process <laughs> of it is a process yeah. of of yeah. self-discovery. And if we as leaders honor that, that Everybody has a right to their own process. Everybody has a right to be where they are. And that is, and, and we have to literally honor that process and ask, is this resonating? You know, I always say, only take on what resonates with you. You know, I'm going to put this out how I perceive this. A lot of times I get it right. And sometimes I just don't, or sometimes I'm completely off, or sometimes you're not ready to hear that. So only take on what resonates with you at this moment. You're not hurting me. My job is to put it out there for you to follow the breadcrumbs. And it's okay if you miss a breadcrumb or two. That's, you know, that, that would be then my story on what I tell myself if somebody doesn't follow that path exactly. And isn't it much greater in leadership as we guide others with our experience and our shortcuts to see them come into their own on their own. Yeah. It's like, it's like watching. Yeah. Well, watching flowers bloom or, or, uh, you know, watching, watching children is, you know, seeing how they, they learn something and then take that in a, in a whole different direction and, and take it, you know, further than we would have taken it. 100%. So I'd like to just go back. Um, to talking about the inner work um, that I think that you were alluding to when you, when you're working with, you know, the, the sort of typical busy executive, um, do you find that, that they are for the most part ready to start that type of inner work or, um, or not? If they come to me, they are, they there are. is, yeah. there's no, there's no attraction to someone like me unless unless there is a resonance and you know i work with that's why i say i work with leaders thought leaders visionaries people with big ideas because they already know that more work is not the answer mm. that the that the answer is is life the answer is love connection balance it is utilizing the principles that rule everything so that's who I attract. And when you, you, I mean, you have to be careful when you go into these spiritual principles or these universal laws, because not everybody is, is, is ready for it. You know, like the law we talked about earlier to let something of a lower nature go to allow something of a higher nature in. Sometimes that's difficult for people because they go, it's too foo-foo or woo-woo, but when you really dive into these things and you study them, you see that science and these universal laws are pretty connected. 
that they're really all the same. It's not woo-woo. It's just the way the world operates. And I give you like an example on, on one of the concepts a lot of people believe in. That's the wait and see concept. It's like, well, let me just see how this goes and then we'll go there. And I always say, when you go into nature, Bella, have you ever seen an oak tree that says, you know what, Bella, this whole rush to get all the leaves out, just, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to just take 100 leaves, going to put them out there, going to see if the dogs like it, if the people appreciate it. And then if things go well, I'm going to roll out a couple hundred, you know, every every week or so until I'm in full bloom. Said no tree ever. What, the squirrel goes like, you know, with global warming, let's just like debunk this winter myth here. Um, I'm going to just look for food when it does get cold, actually. So let me just wait and see and enjoy the summer and lay around here and and hang out on a tree and play with my friends. And then I'll, I'll deal with it when I get there. Doesn't no squirrel say ever. So there are laws in nature. And if they exist in nature, they will apply to you. If you don't follow these laws, if you have a wait and see attitude, Nothing's going to happen. I mean, literally nothing, because you make you make the decision to nothing. So you have to be very clear what you want out of life for yourself. And then what is it that you believe in and get clear on that? And with these two things, we can engineer just about anything. So that's really interesting. Uh, because that's something we talk about a lot in lean and continuous improvement, the idea that um, that you do want to run experiments, right? That you might want to put out 100 leaves um, because the expense of putting out a whole tree full of leaves, um, you know, is, is uh, you know, could ruin you if you're wrong about the timing of when to put the leaves up, right? So you think about right now here in Pennsylvania, we've had a pretty warm winter. And we have, um, I see the magnolia trees that, you know, that the buds are starting to swell up like they think spring's coming. And we've probably got a few more weeks. It's snowing right now. A few more weeks before it's ready for those magnolias to bloom. And sometimes they bloom too early. They make a mistake. And, you know, the whole year's worth of blossoms um, is ruined. Um, so, um I, I know I still think the that the, there is value to the idea of you're not you know don't blow your whole wad if you don't know what the result is going to be, but on um, but what you're saying is when the time is right you know when this when the when you know it's going to be spring you know you you're reading you're reading the signs now put out the leaves now put now now put out the blossoms and like, we'll do it all at once right because the next thing's going to happen and you're going to have to be ready for the next thing. Um, and I guess what I'm I'm sort of arguing for is that that there are times to do experiments. Um, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. 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 Yeah. I'm glad you said that. So let's let's just examine that here. Now, a proof of concept is different than a launch. Yes. So, so if I am, if this is, you know, if this is something that I've never done before, and I'm not sure about my audience. And I'm not sure if the product lands. So let's say, you know, and and you know, in nature, in nature, this exists in the sense this is evolution. This mm-hmm. is how 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 animals change over time, is that they have to adapt to changing market conditions. And if it doesn't work, the you animal die. dies. Yeah. 
and the plant dies. And then the next variation of this is different. So this concept does exist in nature, but it's a different concept. It's an evolutionary concept. Right. Yes. Yes. But I love, I love what you're saying about the, about if you're going to be in, be in, right. Be all in. Yeah. What, what are you going to, you're going to meet someone and you say, I'm going to love you a little bit right now, or you want to have a child and you say, you know what, I'm going to measure my love for you. Mm. I'm going to give you a little bit today. I'm going to give you a little bit tomorrow. Love is infinite. Bring it on. Go for it. Go for it. Beate, how do people find you if they want to have, have a further conversation with you? Yes. So if this conversation resonated and you say, I must speak to her, go to uncoverysession.com and uh, fill out a time slot for a complimentary 15-minute uncovery session. And if you want to figure out what your talent is worth in this market, I've done a quiz. You go to whatsyourtalentworth.com and it literally if, uh, 10 minutes, I'll give you a number. I designed an actual mathematical formula on how do you calculate what your talent is worth right now. So if you're thinking about potentially, you know, going out on your own or you have a business and you go, well, it's not doing what I think it should do. I will give you the actual number and then let's talk and figure out on what can be done to get you to that number. And I am on social media as Beata Chalet or The Growth Architect. So don't be a stranger, reach out. And while we edit, wherever you pick up this podcast, will you please do us a huge favor? Go there right now, subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star review and make a comment. The comment, and even if it's just a, a purple or a green heart signalizing that you love the show or that you listen to the show in full, it tells the algorithm, which is entirely powered by AI, that this content matters and help Bella to get this content in front of more people, please. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. Beata, what would be your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? I would say you cannot take p- failure personal. And the way I describe it is if you go to your car and it gives you a notice that you need to update your GPS, but you ignore it, you're busy, you got to go to your mom's house, you got to go to your friend's house, you're going out. And one day, inevitably, the shortcut that you used to take is is a construction site, they're building the on-ramp for the freeway. So now you're going to stop, you're going to get out of your car, you throw yourself on the ground, you go, I'm the worst driver in the world, I can't believe I suck at driving, (laughs) I'm going to give up driving, I'm going to give back my driver's license, it's too expensive anyway, who needs a car, who needs to get anywhere, I'm just going to be in my house for the rest of my life, that is it for me, says nobody ever. You just, you know, give yourself a small, yeah, yeah, you give yourself a small smack on the head, says note, note to self, update the GPS next time you wave at the guy in the hard hat and or the woman in the in the chic neon suit with a reflective stripe and you go continue to your destination. Why? Because you know the destination still exists. It's just not that way. And that's how you need to look at failure in life. It is not personal. It's just not that way. Just not that way. That's brilliant. Beata Shalette, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of lean. Thank you so much for having me, Bella. It's been an absolute pleasure. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Beata Chalette for being my guest at the Edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? We would love to hear from you. You can find Beata's Growth Blocker Quiz at growthblockerquiz.com and check out her podcast, The Business Growth Architect Show. She's also on LinkedIn. 
Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. And check out all my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com, where you will find lots of great new content every week. The Ages of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelberg with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.